Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 113 of Can I Pick Your Brain? My guest today has mastered the art and science of selling. In fact, he has been named one of the top sales trainers in the world. Over the past two decades, Eric Lofholm has helped generate nearly half a billion dollars in revenue, has taught over 10,000 students to drastically improve their sales skills, and has given over 1,500 presentations in companies including Microsoft, Citicorp, Lexus, the World Financial Group, and the U.S. Army, among many, many others. He's a serial author and has been endorsed as a world-class sales expert by Tony Robbins, Les Brown, Tom Hopkins, Michael Gerber, among others. As always, I prepared a short rap to help introduce my guest. Here goes. From incredible fail, he mastered the sale. Now he trains companies how to scale. If you want to sell faster, listen to the master. Don't let your business become a disaster. He'll help you create honey to attract the money. Raise your blinds and make it all sunny. So without further ado, I welcome to you the guy who could clone a sales chromosome, the one and only Eric Lofholm. Eric, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Hey, Daniel. Super excited to be here. Thanks so much for the invite. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Welcome to the show. So you have an impressive uh, record there. Yeah, you know, I've been at this now. It'll be I'll be starting my uh, second decade um, this coming January. Been at it now for almost 20 years and uh, absolutely love helping people make more sales. Cool. So I want to kind of dig into your backstory just to get an idea like what uh, made you get into that industry. I mean, it's kind of, you know, I'm going to say it because because I like to just, you know, sh- you know, open up my cards and just show you everything. I, I, I don't like to hide things. So I always think of salespeople as sleazy, slimy. Um, I never want to be called a sales guy. I don't want to be compared to a sales guy. I hate doing sales. It's like just one of those industries that has just been so badly abused. Um, What made you get into that? Yeah, it's a really interesting um, question. And there is a stigma to sales in our culture. And yet people need sales skills all over the world. So (laughs) learning how to do it effectively is very, very important. And, And I never had the goal to go into sales. I didn't dream in high school, you know, maybe someday I can go into professional (laughs) selling. Um, So I ended up working for a real estate investor, a multimillionaire named Dante Pirano in my early 20s. Hmm. And I went to work for him to learn real estate investing. And he said, if you want to work for me, you need to do sales. So I'm like, okay, fine. If he said you need to do customer service, you need to work in the warehouse. Hmm. He said you need to do sales. So I got into sales to be around a very successful real estate investor. So that's what led me into sales. Okay. <clears throat> what, but what's your, before that, I mean, that you were 20, that was your first job. What was it like growing up? Well, I, um, I was a... Uh, actually an introvert in high school it's interesting you know in, mm-hmm. in sales there, there's this thought that you've got to have this 
extroverted personality, and, and that was the opposite hmm. of my personality. Um, I went to college uh, out of high school like a lot of kids do. Um, I went to community college, which you're supposed to go to for two years and ended up there for five years. <clears throat> I never graduated. I was just kind of wandering aimlessly through life. Mm-hmm. And then I met this real estate investor and wanted to uh, become successful in that field. And so I ended up going to work for him. And uh, and then my, my life went in a completely different direction. So you weren't this naturally born sales guy who basically, like, like you, you, you weren't like my daughter who basically she'll get anything she wants because she knows how to bend my arm and twist it until I'm bleeding out of it. Um, <clears throat> you weren't like a naturally born salesperson, right? It sounds like you were more of the shy type, like you said, introversial. Um, so a lot of people, they think, well, you know, you've got to be born to sell. Um, obviously, you are clearly... An, an example of, of a proof that uh, that that's not true. It's just a myth. Yeah, my my first year that I worked for Dante, um, I was his bottom producer. We had about fifteen people on the sales team, mm-hmm. and we had a quota of ten thousand dollars in gross sales that was the minimum standard to keep your job in good standing. So at the end of the my first year, I'm the bottom guy. I missed quota two months in a row because I'm not a naturally born salesperson. Mm-hmm. So I was called into the office. They documented it. They wrote me up. They said, you know, Eric, you've got one more month to hit your quota mm-hmm. or we're going to let you go. And it was at that point that I was introduced to, to my first sales mentor, a gentleman named Dr. Donald Moyne. And Dr. Moyne taught me his system for selling. And within 60 days, I went from the bottom producer to the top producer wow. once I was professionally trained. And this is one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about teaching sales because I learned from my own experience that selling is a learned skill. So, I mean, to go from bottom to the top within, you said, 60 days, that's huge. I mean, what was, what would you say are the, were the top things that you changed? What was the first thing that you changed that, that turned around um, your, I mean, your sales career, essentially? Well, um, Dr. Moyne is uh, a gentleman who wrote his PhD dissertation on what separates average salespeople from sales superstars. And so he developed these models of how to duplicate sales excellence. And so I kind of had an unfair advantage. I was being trained by a living master. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that he did is he taught me how to structure an effective sales presentation. And I had never been taught that before. And there, there, if you, if you look at results, the, one of the ways I, I observe the world is in patterns. Mm-hmm. And so if you find a pattern that works, you can just simply do that thing over and over and over and over and over again. And so Dr. Moyne taught me all these patterns of like, how do you structure a sales presentation? How do you strategically ask probing questions to identify the needs of the prospect? How do you close the presentation in a systematic way? How mm-hmm. do you use storytelling to bring the benefits to life? Um, there's all these things that anybody can learn with proper training. And I happen to have the good fortune of meeting one of the most brilliant minds in the world on selling. And, uh, and so that's how I did it. And then you actually went on also to work for Tony Robbins, right? Is that correct? Yeah, what ended up happening is um, my natural gifting is not selling, but mm-hmm. I do believe that we're all born with natural gifts and talents. And one of the gifts I was born with is the gift of teaching. So mm-hmm. once I understand something, 
I could teach it to somebody else. So here now I had Dr. Moyne's system and I started teaching it to my coworkers and I started producing some pretty extraordinary students in my early 20s. I was just doing it for fun, just to help. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't a business back then. Right. And um, I then ended up uh, going to work for Tony Robbins. I had one major failure pit stop on the way to work for Tony. I started my own company and uh, the company quickly failed and I had some significant setbacks and then I eventually ended up working for Tony for three years I'm and glad you brought one of his his top people. I'm glad you brought that up, Eric, because that was a very important. My my question was going to be, why if you <clears throat> if you figured out the the golden nugget, right, the key, the golden key, which is you know to, for most businesses it's sales, right? If you could somehow just bring in clients, then that's the one thing that most businesses are constantly you know worried about. How are we going to get the next month's revenue in, right? And if you could figure that out, I would have thought that your next stop would be, okay, I'm, if I could do this for somebody else, why would I generate you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars for somebody else when I could do it for myself? So what, that makes a lot of sense that you went into business. But now I'm surprised because why would you have failed? If you knew how to get customers, what could possibly have gone wrong? Well, it's, it's a great question. And um, selling is one piece of business, right? Yep. So owning a business, we've got um, HR, you've got finance, hiring, mm-hmm. um, you've got management, uh, you've got how you negotiate, you know, whatever agreements you have. Yep. And so uh, although I was very successful at selling, um, I had no experience uh, running a business. And so right. Um, we I quickly ran the business into the ground, and uh, it's interesting because I vowed out loud. I said I will never go into sales ever again. It was just too much pressure, mm-hmm. and uh, I felt that I w- that was what my life was going to end up being. And then the series of events happened, and I went and worked for Tony Robbins. And and part of why I worked for Tony, uh, Tony before Tony Robbins became Tony Robbins. He worked for a gentleman named Jim Rohn. And Jim, you know, you may be familiar with him. Mm -hmm. Jim, when he was alive, was one of the most recognized speakers in the world today. So Tony worked for Jim for five years. And I thought, well, if that's what Tony did, why don't I go work for Tony? And then I can learn about the training business and become more successful. And then from there, start my own company. And so that's ultimately what I ended up doing. Cool. Very cool. So I have a question though, because a lot of people listening to this uh, may be running a, a small business, right? And they want to hire a sales guy because the sales side of things is slow. They need to get more clients, right? Um, but there's always that catch-22, which is that on the one hand, you know you need a sales team, but on the other hand, you can't afford to pay a sales team. What do you do in that situation? That's a great question, and there's there's different ways of structuring it. So mm-hmm. let's say you brought a salesperson on on a two thousand dollar draw. So you have two thousand dollars at risk. That's a that's a pretty low risk, and maybe you draw them for ninety days. So you have six thousand dollars at risk, and if they don't work out, you, you part ways. Another way of doing it though is, uh, and it doesn't work in every industry, but in some industries it does work where. 
you find somebody who is an independent salesperson mm-hmm. and they're allowed to rep more than one product. And so they already have a book of business, they're already trained. You go to them and say, hey, would you like to add my product on? You could sell it to your existing customer base, you can earn some additional income. Mm, like It'd be that. a commission only, only scenario. So mm-hmm. that, that's one possible business structure that works for some industries. Interesting. That's very interesting because the other thing I was going to ask you as well is, you know, sometimes, I mean, in the property business or in mortgages, you know, where it's very high ticket. So there it's very easy because you just pay commission only. And of course, you tell them, look, if you close one deal, you can make, you know, a thousand, two thousand, a couple of thousand dollars. But in a case where you're selling low ticket items, it's very hard to pay decent commissions. How do you keep salespeople, you know, um, how, how do you keep them excited, really? How do you, how, and, and you can't really pay them high, high uh, commissions because the margins just aren't there. Yeah. Well, there's different personality types. You know, somebody mm. who wants to earn a six-figure income in commission sales, they're going to go into insurance, financial services. Right. They're going to go into real estate, mortgages. Um, on a, a, a lower financial opportunity uh, it's a different personality type. They're probably going to be much more interested in the guaranteed pay. So it might be more of a you know $40,000 a year job, um, 26 to 28,000 of that's guaranteed. You earn a small base. So they're they're drawn to the guaranteed income, the the, the structure of the job versus the real estate agent where it's very entrepreneurial. So mm-hmm. for, for that style of business that you described, it would be a different personality type. Got it, got it. And, and you know, when you went to work for Tony, what's very interesting as well about that is you essentially had a lot of the sales skills um, from the previous company, right? Because you said you got trained and you were able to train other people. What did you gain more from working for Tony that you didn't already have? Well... I did um, speaking for Tony. Two of my three years that I was with him, I was out speaking one to two times a day and I lived on the road with the sales team. And so we'd be in Chicago for two months promoting Tony's seminars, doing the speaking model or Atlanta, Georgia or whatnot. And so it was really about uh, getting speaking repetitions in. Um, The the Beatles, before they became the famous uh, band that swept the world, Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, I think it might have been Outliers, uh, in any event, they, he was telling a story about how the Beatles used to play strip clubs. And, really? of course, they weren't the featured uh, <laughs> entertainment there. They are just in the background. But what it gave them was these eight-hour sets where they would play as a group and they were able to establish on-screen chemistry Mm. where most bands might play one or two gigs a week for an hour or two. They're playing eight hours a day, five, six days a week. And so they were developing their skills through repetition. Mm -hmm. So with Tony Robbins, I did 800 speeches in two years. So when you're speaking that much, you have this, you know, um, on stage chemistry that you're developing with the audience and so forth. And so that was one of one of the big things that I learned from Tony. Cool. So, so speaking is is crucial. I mean, speaking is a crucial skill to selling. Obviously, to be able to to handle any situation on a call. Well, it's the thing about speaking is that um, in, in traditional sales, we're taught give me a lead, 
And then I'm going to go deliver a presentation to that lead. Okay, give me another lead. And then I'm going to deliver a presentation. Well, you can also sell one to many. So I might do a webinar now and have 100 people on the webinar and make multiple sales. Uh, one of my clients sells land. And traditionally, land is sold in a one-on-one -on -one presentation. Mm -hmm. And what he does is he does educational webinars to warm people up. And then he does do a one-on-one -on -one presentation to do the closing. But he has a tremendous advantage in land sales because everyone else is doing one-to-one -one sales. He's doing group presentations. So mm -hmm. it's it's a, a breakthrough possibility in many industries to learn the one-to-many model. Got it. It's interesting, actually, one of my companies, um, so I was talking, basically, it's a low ticket, uh, but residual income type of business. Uh, so the average client is probably bringing in about 100 pounds a month, but they usually stay for like, you know, four or five years, maybe even more. And what I was thinking is to hire a sales guy to literally go on LinkedIn and you know there's millions of people on linkedin okay fine so they're not all based in the uk and they're not all business owners but there's you know there's so many i mean at least there are thousands there's got to be thousands and thousands of potential clients what do you think of this as a as a you know um i guess as a as a plan for selling we get them to go on linkedin and just send 50 to 100 messages every single day that adds up to you know two thousand or a thousand messages a month, and out of those, let's say thousand messages, surely they're going to bring in like ten clients, right? One percent, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything <laughs> wrong with that mindset, that way of thinking? No, I think um, I think there's there's a tremendous value in uh, consistency of activity on a daily basis. I was talking with a client yesterday mm -hmm. and they're selling a, um, a website solution. It's a very creative concept for retail sales to boost engagement on a website for retail. And, uh, the numbers I was talking to them about are much smaller because they have other activities, not just selling, but I was mm -hmm. advising my client. If you do five prospecting outreaches a day times 20 business days, Yep. You're going to reach 100 people a month or 1,200 people a year, and that's going to be enough prospecting outreach in order to get the results that you want. And one of the things that I teach is that no's are no big deal. So a lot of people, when they think about prospecting outreach, like the concept you're talking about, they're getting concerned about, well, what if I get all these no's? And it's like, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> it doesn't cost game. you anything with time. Right. And so you know, with what you're saying, I mean – um, electronic prospecting is it's the way to go. I mean, I, I rarely prospect people over the phone anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I prospect them with text, email, direct message on social media. You brought up LinkedIn. I actually prospect a lot of people on Facebook and there's a mindset in the world like Facebook's for social reasons, LinkedIn's for business. And I don't think like that. I just fish where the fish are. <laughs> so I'll prospect them on Instagram, on Facebook. I, I don't care. I, I just I just want to reach them, and then I want to deliver a, a compelling message to them. And to your point with your concept you're talking about, one way I, I might approach it is I call it the Geico approach. Geico markets and their message is give me 15 minutes, and I can probably save you 
15% or more on your on car your insurance. insurance. Mm -hmm. And so they just blast the world with that message and they're doing what I call stage selling. Sell to the next step. They're selling you to go to their website or they're selling you to call in to inquire about the possibility of saving money on insurance. Mm -hmm. Well, if you were gonna have a sales rep reach out to 100 people a day on LinkedIn, what I would do is I would just have the sales rep sell them to a whatever you feel is the next step and that's as much as you sell on that initial outreach. And uh, it's it's a different way of approaching it than what a lot of people do. But I've, I've found it to be highly, highly effective. You're saying don't, don't you know, ask them to marry you on the first date, basically. You're saying you, you, if you go. It. Right. That's exactly it. So here's the thing. I mean, we all do this and everybody does this to us, right? We do a dance, right? So somebody comes and goes, hey, Daniel, I love your show. How are you doing? And I know I've got this... BS meter, like, you know, the sales meter of like, oh, I know what this guy wants. He's fishing. He wants me to then go, yeah, thank you very much. And then he's going to go, oh, by the way, do you want to buy my services for this and that's the other? So how do you, you know, I guess, avoid that? Meaning how do you come across as unsalesy? Like going back to what I said right at the beginning, like how do you come across as, as, as really as natural as possible and as authentic as possible? Well, I don't. I don't see any challenge with somebody reaching out and starting that dance the way that you described it. It's not how uh -huh. I do it, but it is how, a way how that, do you do of it? how people do it. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That That's fine. At the end of the day, though, what people buy are benefits. And so, you know, if, if I'm looking for exposure and you have an opportunity for me to be on your podcast and you send me a direct message over LinkedIn or Facebook or text or email – and mm -hmm. you say, hey, Eric, would you be interested in being on my show? That's going to draw me because I'm interested in more exposure. And so you, you really got to think about it from the prospect's viewpoint. Mm -hmm. What is the benefit that you can deliver to them? And that's the power behind the GEICO approach is GEICO is not selling. We have the best technology. They're not selling our customer services second to none. They're not selling we've been in business for 100 years. They're not selling um, we pay our claims fast, although they probably do all those things. They're selling a leading benefit. And so when, when I'm prospecting somebody, my personal approach is not that warm you up, hey, how's it going kind of approach. I'm more – I'm very straight to the point about this is the benefit I can deliver to you. Are you interested in this? I've been recruiting some insurance folks lately for one of my businesses, and we sell life insurance virtually. So I would go to an insurance guy and say, or gal, would you be interested in selling insurance virtually? And that would be my direct message over LinkedIn or text or email. And then if they said yes, then I would start them through my sales process. But I'm going for a benefit-driven first step. And the point you made was, you know, so don't ask him to marry you on the first date. Mm -hmm. it, it goes even deeper than that. I, for me, I wouldn't ask the, the woman to be my committed girlfriend after the first <laughs> date, let alone marry her, right? right? It's like, just take it to the next step. Hey, I had a great time. Would you like to go out again? And it's just that. And so if we, if we sell in that way, it's very methodical, and, and I found it's incredibly, incredibly effective. So let's say, for example, I mean, one, one of my companies is uh, Geffen Media Group. We actually get people on podcast shows, and, and um, 
It's a service we charge for. So if I'm reaching out to somebody, you're saying the first thing I should say is, hey, by the way, how would you like to get on the top rated podcast shows and get some massive exposure? The problem with that... If you said, if yeah. you said that, yeah. you would get a tremendous response. Do you think so? I, absolutely. I know so. And then what you do is after they, they respond back... Right, but and, then they say, "What's the price?" And then I say the price, and they go, and then they don't even—I don't hear from them ever again. <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, here's the thing: human beings respond in predictable ways. Hmm. So if if they go, "What's the price?" and you tell them, and you never hear from them, then you know that that pattern produces that result. Yeah. So we got to switch it up, and it, it it might not even be the thing that you said about the podcast and the massive exposure. It might be something as simple as. Um, are you looking to reach more people with your message? Mm-hmm. It might be that simple. And they go, well, yeah, I am. You say, okay, well, I work with speakers and authors like yourself to help you get your message out to more people. Um, it, it, is that of interest to you? And they go, yeah, that is of interest to me. Great. Well, I'd love to, to have a, um, a short call with you. And so then you do this initial call or you send them to a tool, and this is a network marketing strategy. In network marketing, their whole strategy for a lot of a lot of folks is to get them to a recorded message, like a recorded audio or a recorded video. So what you could do is you could put together a little 15-minute audio talking about the benefits of being on uh, podcasts, and at the end, there would, the call to action would be a consultation with you or one of your salespeople. Mm-hmm. So if they're interested in getting more exposure, you say, okay, listen to this. And if this speaks to you, then let's set up a call. Or you could take them to a 10-minute call. And then at the end of the 10-minute call, say, you know, I think this there could be a, a great fit for us to work together. I want you to listen to this next. And after you listen to this, then let's talk. And so hmm. in my approach, it's very methodical. I want to know how's the lead going to come in? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And when you get that put together – and it starts working effectively, then you can take your business to a whole nother level. What about using like a Google form? Like, because for, I tell you, when I first started the business, one thing that I hated was I would get a lot of interest. So people would be like, yeah, I want to get on a bunch of podcast shows. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I've actually just got a new book. Yeah. And then they get on a call with me and I pitch them and I go through my whole, you know, pitch of, and then right at the end, they're like, oh, and how much is it? And then I give them the pricing and they're just like, mm, I don't have that much money. So then I'm just like, oh, crap, I just wasted 30 minutes of my time. And I kept doing that. And so then I stopped and I said, OK, I want to qualify them before they get on the call with me. So I created a Google form. And one of the questions in that form was, uh, do you have a budget of $5,000 plus to spend on this? Now, if they ticked yes, then I would schedule a call with them. But if they take no well then you know there's no point getting on a call with them mm-hmm. do, you, do you think that's a good way to do it yeah i think that's effective and at the end of the day it's in the results so if that's getting more effective calls for you by all means do that there's different ways of qualifying somebody um you could say that you know i specialize in working with people that are either already very successful or they have that deep burning desire to go to that next level of success, and there is a mm-hmm. fee that's involved. And so you just qualify them up front so you're not spending the half an hour with them for them to just say, oh, well, I don't have that kind of money. 
Right. So I think a qualification process for you is a great next step, and and a form is one way to do it. What do you think is the sweet spot for pricing? Because that's another thing I find a lot of people they struggle with. When when I first started my company, you know, our first package was like fifteen hundred bucks, and then we kept just we kept literally just doubling it, and now it's now it starts at five and a half thousand. But I don't even know if we should put it up or not. Like, how do you know where that sweet spot is? And I feel like a lot of people undersell and undervalue their services and their products. Yeah, I mean, it's really the marketplace is going to decide. And if you keep raising the price and people keep buying, you know, then um, <laughs> right. it's probably there's probably even more of a threshold. And another thing you might consider um do you have different options of what people can buy? Like, is there a fifty-five hundred dollar package, but then there's also this ten thousand dollar package? Yeah. Or is it just the fifty-five hundred? No, we we have three packages depending on how many shows they want to go on. Okay, so you might look at: is there any other product offering besides the variable of being on more shows? So it's like for fifty-five hundred, they get X, and for ten shows. And then for seventy five hundred, they so get how, this, how many? but it's still you know? for ten shows. How did you know? So it was you 10 might look shows? at that as, as well. That was pretty good. You actually hit the nail on the head. It is ten shows. <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, you're saying like add uh, another extra benefit so that you can up, you know, so you make the the middle and the and the top package even sweeter. You're saying. Well, think about a concert, right? So mm. um, front row seating is going to cost a certain amount. General admission is going to cost a certain amount. You want a backstage pass and you want to actually go back and meet the band for a meet and greet, you know? And so there's, there's, but it's still the same concert. It's the same music. And you can look at um, different product offerings and you may have some clients that are paying you 5,500 that will pay you 15,000 if there's some additional value that they can receive by working with you. Hmm. Yeah, that's a Disneyland uh, model. Right? Yeah, get, Disneyland does that. Um, airline right. tickets, you know, first class, yeah. coach, business class. You know, there's there's different ways of doing it, uh, but that might be something for you to consider. And there may be a whole other uh, profit center for you there. Hmm. What do you think of also the fact that you know a lot of people have uh, a client base and they're selling one service and they could be easily extracting more uh, money from the existing client base by just selling them another service or another product, then it's much easier. The problem that I find with that is I'm worried I don't want to rock the boat. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I don't want to, like, if I reach out to them, maybe they're going to be like, oh, I didn't even know I'm, <laughs> you know, oh, I forgot that I'm signed up to, to this service. Like, one of my companies, it's like a residual, you know, ongoing uh, service. And I kind of just don't want to, to, you know, wake up the sleeping lion, if that makes sense. You know, the, let sleeping dogs lie, as they say. I mean, my clients are not dogs, obviously, but I, I love them dearly. But I don't want to, you know, do you know what I'm saying? There's a fear there. There's a fear of, of reaching because it's so easy. I mean, all you need to do is literally just, you know, get someone to pick up the phone and, and call all your clients and say, hey, by the way, we now offer this service. And they're like, oh, great, wonderful. Um, but there's that fear of I just don't want to rock the boat. Yeah, well, people that are listening, they they may have they may share the fear. They may not. Uh, you know, if you look at either the highest valued company in the world or one of the highest valued companies is Apple. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, why is Apple so successful? Well, 
a lot of the reason why Apple's so successful is because they did a product line extension. That's really the idea that we're talking about. Right. Steve Jobs said, well, let's go into the cell phone business. What, what do you mean? We're a computer company. <laughs> I know we're a computer company, but let's go into the cell phone business. Let's go into the watch business. Now, I saw this and I haven't verified it, but there was some article out that said that the Apple Watch is now the most worn watch just past Rolex. More people wow. wear an Apple Watch than a, than a Rolex. And um, <laughs> at the end of the day, product line extension is a, a viable strategy to grow a business. And the mindset is your database is a distribution channel. So a real estate agent, instead of thinking of themselves as a realtor, yeah, they're a realtor, but their database is not just to sell real estate agent services. They can market other products and services to that database and monetize the, the, the database. And so I mean, we're getting into some, there's a lot of nuances to business and how you can grow a business mm -hmm. with a strategy like this. But I've, I've had a tremendous amount of success in uh, marketing other products and services to my database, and I, I love the strategy. Hmm. And what about like um, when people get stuck on closing a sale? Like I feel like uh, a lot of times you'll you'll be talking to somebody and the the conversation will be going really well and he's interested and everything, and, but there's like that fear of just closing the deal, like just sealing it down. You know, a lot of people just kind of go, well, you know, and then they keep talking and they keep talking and the deal does just doesn't get closed. What are some of the best ways that you found? to be able to close a deal? Yeah, well, with with the way that I approach selling, it completely solves that. And, and I understand what you're saying because mm -hmm. it's like there's sometimes there's this awkwardness of asking for the order and what do I say? And I, yeah. I'm not even comfortable being a salesperson and I gotta <laughs> ask for the money. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we wanna map the whole thing out. So we wanna map from how do I acquire the lead to then what's the initial messaging and then what's next, what's next, what's next. Now I'm live with the prospect, I'm delivering the presentation. What do I say first, what do I say second, what do I say third? Well, at the end, we're gonna close. So it's just a matter of having the wording down and preparing it. And so I literally teach my clients to outline out their clothes, to write it out, to practice it, to rehearse it, to role play it, and it doesn't mean be robotic in the clothes. I mean, you absolutely can just be your authentic self and you can be very conversational, but you, there's still, the way I teach it, there's an absolute structure to how a sale is closed. I've closed thousands and thousands of sales. I close all the time. It's a piece of cake. It wasn't a piece of cake when I first got started because I didn't know the system. I didn't have the combination to the lock, but hmm. once you know how to do it, you know, you got it. How, what? Give me an, like an example. Like, let's say we're talking about what? What are you offering me right now? Let's let's do a little role play just to to show. I guess okay. put it into so practice. So, if I was selling coaching, yeah. Um, the first thing that I would do is I would have a transition statement, and the transition statement would be um, what I'd like to do now is share with you how my ongoing coaching program works. Mm -hmm. And so that's like my way of saying, hey, we're pivoting now. And we're going to talk about business now. So what I'd like to do now is share with you how I work with ongoing, how I work with clients like yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go through what the investment is, um, how the calls work, um, how frequent the calls are, um, what the guarantee is, the maximum number of clients that I'm able to work with at any one time, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to ask them to become a client. And virtually every presentation is going to follow that structure. I've had a full coaching practice now for, I don't know, 12 years in a row, 
And anytime I want more clients, all I have to do is book an appointment, take them through a uh, enrollment conversation, take them to the close and ask them to join. And I'm probably going to get one out of three that are going to say yes. And this can be done in any industry. You can structure a closeout like this. So, so can we, can we just like, cause <laughs> you said that and then I close the client, but what, what is, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Cause you said that, okay, now we're going to talk about how it works. Okay. Right. What I'd like to do now <laughs> is share with you how I work with, uh, clients on an ongoing basis. Mm -hmm. The maximum number of clients I work with at any one time is 12. Okay. I work with clients one hour a month or two hours a month. For one hour a month, it's $500. For two hours a month, it's $1,000. I guarantee the program's gonna help you. The way the guarantee works, if you're unhappy for any reason during the first 30 days, I'll give you a full refund. After 30 days, the program goes month to month. You can stay in the program as long as you're getting results. Would you like to be one of the 12 clients that I work with? No. So that <laughs> language in that sequence right. is pretty much how I do it. But, but I, so what if the guy just says no? Uh, well, he's not going to say no. He's going to say, well, I need to think about it. Um, oh, it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So Usually, now we're going to go to objection handling. And yeah. we can predict that the guy's going to give objections. Right. Because if I get to the end of the presentation and I say, would you like to be one of the 12 clients that I work with? At that point, he's going to say one of three things. He's going to say yes, he's going to say no, or he's mm. going to give me an objection. And it's totally predictable. Now, yeah. if I don't ask for the order, I have no idea what's going to happen. But if I ask for the order, it's yes, no, or it's an objection. Oh, I don't have the money. So now I can use objection handling techniques. Mm. So it's like a game of hot potato. It's yeah. a back and forth between you and the prospect. So I don't have the money. And I say, well... Is that your only concern? And then I'm silent. And then yes. the guy's gonna respond. And then I'm gonna say, other than the money, is there anything else preventing you from moving forward? And then the guy's gonna respond. And then I'm gonna say, well, it sounds like you're very interested. Is that true? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah I'm very interested, great. Yeah. Well, what interests you most about joining the program? And now they start going into talking about the benefits to sell themselves. At that mm -hmm. point, I can do a couple things. I can pivot, I can downsell them. I can say, well, if you sign up now, I'll give you a discount. Or I'll give you an introductory month at a special price. Or I can say, instead of doing an hour a month, I can do a half an hour with you. Or I can sell them into a lower price program. Or I can say, you know, maybe this isn't the right program for you. So there's there's different ways I can go with it. But at, at the end of the day, I would advise anybody listening, be prepared. Know mm -hmm. what you're going to say, when you're going to say it, how you're going to say it, why you're going to say it. And if you're prepared, your confidence is going to go up. And you're going to make more sales. It, it's it is, in my experience, it's 100% predictable. Anybody can improve their sales skills if they truly have the desire and they have the right coaching. So a lot of people won't say necessarily, I don't have the money, but they'll, they'll try to avoid that confrontation. So they'll say something like, you know, I need to discuss it with my partner or I need to discuss it with my wife. You know, let me go and think about it. So, like those are the most annoying because then you can't like, what, what are you going to say to them? Well, that's, that's the whole point of the, of the preparation. So they say, well, I need to talk it over with my wife. Hmm. Um, all right. Well, um, what do you think your wife's going to say? I don't know. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> then, okay, fine. Um, uh, if the decision was up to you, would you move forward today? Yeah, but I need to discuss it with her. You know, she's part of the you know, partner. You know, I don't do okay. anything without so her. If I say if the decision was up to you, would you move forward? Sometimes they say no. And if they say no, then I know it's that's probably not the real issue. Right. Now I can go to him and I can say, all right, so you would like to move forward. You seem to talk it over with your wife. Is that true? Yeah. All right. 
So you know your wife obviously better than I do. So <laughs> what do you think would be the best way to get her on board? Is it me talking with her? Is it you talking with her? Or is it the three of us doing a call together? And you might go, well, probably if the three of us did a call together. All right, great. Yeah. Well, why don't we do that? Why don't we schedule that? And then we'll have a conversation with your wife and I'll share what we're talking about doing and you can tell why you want to do it and then let's see what she has to say. Mm. It's like it's so, like sales tai chi, it's like sales martial arts over here. You're kind of like using his energy against him. Well, not against him, but you're kind of like channeling it. You know, you're throwing it back well, to him. The thing is that if, if you really believe in what you're doing, right, right, and people do have concerns, they there are legitimate money issues at times. They do have to talk it over with their partner or their spouse. They are meeting with another person. Like if I'm selling alarm systems and the guy's going to meet with somebody selling alarm systems tomorrow and he doesn't want to decide until he meets with the guy tomorrow. And he's just set like, Eric, I, I like what you're saying, but I got to talk to the Brinks guy. You know, right. so I'm not going to move forward until I talk to the Brinks guy. And that's a legitimate concern. Mm -hmm. So I got to work with him on that. And I need to be prepared for that conversation because I know it's coming. It's predictable that at times the person's going to say, I don't have the money. I need to think about it. Can you send me some information? I need to talk it over with my spouse. So I need to be prepared. And the more prepared we are, there's a lot of sales that will close if mm. you're prepared. And that's really my whole thing is I train people at the highest level. I, I think I've got the, you know, the best education on the planet. We train people all over the world virtually on how to be more effective with their selling. I love doing it. I've been doing it for you know, it'll be 20 years, start my 20th year in January, and just helping people, you know, teaching them how to be great at sales persuasion and influence. So is there a guidebook that you've written that our listeners can can get a hold of to, to see the whole process? Because obviously, you know, we've we've touched upon a lot of things in this conversation, but I'm sure there's so much, like there's so much depth yeah, and, and breadth. Yeah, one of the things I'm proud of, I've documented so much of what it is that I teach. So I have uh, books on Amazon. I've written 14 books. The Whoa. two main books are The System and Sales Scripting Mastery. So both those books are 200 plus page books. If you enjoy reading, you'll love those books. And they're you know, only you know, 10, 15 bucks on Amazon. And then yep. you can go to my YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com forward slash sales champion, the number one. All kinds of awesome free content on YouTube. And then of course we offer classes where we professionally train you over your computer or your smartphone and we teach you the art and science of selling. Brilliant. So those links will be in the show notes uh, for those listening. If you go to danielgeffen.com forward slash 113, uh, then you can get uh, those links there. Eric, uh, what's the best way for my listeners to get in touch with you? Um, two ways, saleschampion.com and just opt in for whatever free offer we have. We have various free offers on that website. That'll put you on the email list. And I'm very active on social media. So if you just mm -hmm. type in my name, you'll find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever your favorite social media platforms are. Connect with me there. A lot of great free content. So those would be the two best ways to get in contact with me. The social butterfly. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> From introvert to extrovert. Do you think, do you consider yourself an extrovert now? Do you think you're an introvert no, I'm turned not. in? I'm no? Not. If I go to a party, I'm the guy over in the corner not talking to anybody. That's it's so just my funny. natural style. So wow. I'll never be naturally extroverted. I can go there if I need to, but it's not my natural style. I'm very uh, quiet, 
person still to this day. Um, but now I have the skills to effectively communicate anytime I want to. That's amazing. Wow. That's so inspiring, Eric. Thank you so much um, for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. Can I pick your brain? Podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.